Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Roadmap, the podcast covering best practices and trending topics in auto finance. I'm Nicole Kasperson, Deputy Editor of Auto Finance News and your host for this podcast, presented by Auto Finance Excellence. Auto Finance Excellence provides members with an unparalleled opportunity to gain professional development and networking resources in this competitive industry. And I strongly encourage our listeners to join our community of auto finance executives and professionals. Today's podcast is generously supported by our technology partner, Defy Solutions. With Defy, you could have created a custom field in the time it took to listen to this message. Defy Solutions shows lenders what a modern loan origination system should look like. Our goal here at The Roadmap is to welcome enlightened and thought-provoking guests from across the auto finance industry to talk out key issues and opportunities, and we have a great guest for such a talk. Today's podcast is focused on the topic of technology, which is fitting since auto lenders are tapping into a slew of different technologies to help increase their consumer portfolios and widen the populations to whom they serve and lend. The trick, however, is for lenders to do it all without facing a significant amount of increased risk. Alternative data can serve as the solution for auto lenders to open up the doors to non-traditional borrowers and become less restrictive in their lending, but doing so in a calculated and methodical manner. Our speaker today will address these statements as well as a few questions. With us, we have Chuck Barron, Senior Vice President and Chief Risk Officer with First Investors Financial Services Group. Uh, Thank you, Chuck, for joining us today. So happy to have you with us. Um, I'd like to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and your background with the audience and your role with First Investors Financial Services Group. Thanks, Nicole. I appreciate that. I'm uh, really happy to have this time today with you guys and then and hopefully it'll be it'll be useful. Um, so I've been in indirect auto finance for about 20 years, um, mostly in risk management roles. Uh, I started in the industry with AmeriCredit uh, right around the, uh, the new millennium, and um, and sort of matured within risk roles since then. Uh, for a time, I ran my own uh, subprime indirect auto finance company that was focused on uh, independent dealers. Um, I've was fortunate enough to uh, to run indirect auto lending for uh, for an international bank or for the U.S. operations for an international bank, and, uh, and back in November I, I got an opportunity to come over here to First Investors, and it was a really exciting opportunity, and and here I am. Amazing. Well, uh, first I'd like to set the tone of our uh, discussion by asking. You know, what are some of those uh, use cases for alternative data that you are seeing within your business? Yeah, so I, I think broadly speaking, um, the use cases fall into, into two categories. Um, you know, can you use alternative data so that you have you know, better information or better insight to inform your decision-making process? Um, or two, can you use um, you know, alternative data to improve processes and improve process efficiency, and in some cases, those those two things those two things overlap. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the benefits that come with uh, alternative data that you're seeing? Well, so I think that's really the challenge with alternative data is that um, 
there's so much of it out there if you start sort of digging around. And the challenge is to really understand and quantify those benefits. I mean, what you run into is that in most cases, the the vendors that are selling their data, they're they're really kind of only selling one data product. And there's some some exceptions to that. But but all those vendors um, want you to believe that their little bit of the data universe is is critically important and incredibly valuable, and they're going to tell you about all these great benefits. And, and it's on you as the consumer of that data to, to put in place a framework that allows you to, to evaluate what the real benefits are because the, the stories, are always, they always sound compelling. Um, but in truth, some of those things um, have, have a great deal of value. Some of them really don't or they may not have incremental value to what you already have in place. Uh, and, and so that's what you have to do. You have to understand, hey, is this, is this neat? Or does it create a tangible benefit? And then how do you, uh, you know, assess the economic value of that benefit uh, versus the cost or versus, you know, the, uh, the, the alternatives that you're giving up? Um, you know, is there something else that you could get that does the same thing uh, and, and can do it cheaper or maybe something similar but has a, also has additional information embedded within it? And, and there's, it seems like there's a lot of benefit out there and the challenge is, is really to be able to assess those benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, then that kind of perfectly ties into my next question, which is talking about maybe those pitfalls or challenges that come with using alternative data. It seems that just navigating, uh, you know, the proper use cases within your business is one of the more challenging aspects. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's exactly right. Um, you know, if you look at um, a traditional lending model where you're relying primarily on credit bureau data to inform the lending and the pricing decision, um, then alternative data can be a little, uh, a little dicey there because um, you have a regulatory environment that is really designed around sort of a single source of, of data. And so when you start bringing in um, data not provided by the consumer or the dealer and not available within the credit bureau, you know one of the pitfalls is that some of that data may not be um, you may not be eligible for use in the lending decision. And I think what you have to do is you really have to broaden your mind about how you can incorporate data because there's there's certainly more to the way that you lend and the way that you operate than um, sort of the yes, no, and at what rate or under what terms part of the, or part of the process. I, clearly the most important part of what we do, I think, um, but there's a lot to be said for everything that happens you know, after that point too, and are there opportunities to use uh, you know, new data sources to to improve those things? Um, so I, I think there's a regulatory thing you have to be very cognizant of. Um, you have to be really careful about the availability and the consistency of that data. So one of the things that you run into with some of these data sources is that uh, the information may be very rich when it's available, but it may only be available for, you know, um, a small portion of your applicant population or of your customer pool. And so the way that you might want to use that is going to be different than when you say a credit bureau, which has about a 95% availability, you know, if it's available 95% of the time, you can, you can write rules that apply broadly. Um, if something's only available 30, 40% of the time or less, then the way you build your processes has to take that into consideration. Um, the cost element, I think, is pretty important. You know, the, the bureau data has become pretty commoditized. Uh, you can get a, you know, a report from any of the three bureaus for about the same cost, uh, although lenders don't all pay the same cost. 
you know, you can put it within a range. Uh, you know, the alternative data can range in cost quite a bit, and you need to make sure that, you know, you're getting out of it what you hope to get out of it, or at least that it's, you know, more than paying for itself. Um, and then, you know, this doesn't come up a lot, but there's really, there's a complacency question that can come up with alternative data. You know, you could um, three or four years ago have put in place something using um, non-traditional bureau data, something around short-term installment lending, and said, aha, my rule is if this and this are true, uh, then decline. And and you can sort of put that out there and not think about it anymore. And the, the universe of alternative data is really dynamic. Things are changing. The data providers are getting more sophisticated. And if you're not actively managing that, then you run the risk of having stale rules in place, uh, missing opportunities is probably the, the bigger piece. And so, so all of those things really come into play. Um, and it just, it's something that has to be actively managed. We are going to take a short break uh, to take a moment and thank our podcast sponsor, Defy Solutions. Defy Solutions has redefined what a modern loan origination system is all about. It's about configurability and flexibility and automating decisions to be the most efficient. It's about seamless integrations that tell you more about your customers and help you to take great care of them. It's about knowing exactly how your decisions affect your bottom line. With Defy Solutions, your loan origination system is all about you and it's about time. With that, let's get back to the program. Um, you know, you definitely kind of touched on some of those, um, you know, difficulties when it comes to integrating um, alternative data into your, you know, operations and system between having to think about, you know, costs and choosing the right vendor in the right area and even just organization um, behind it. Um, but, you know, what's the process of integrating alternative data like uh, that you've seen and maybe, you know, you touched on some of the risks that come with integration. Um, but maybe what are you doing to navigate those risks? Right. So everybody's probably going to have a slightly different different approach, but I, I think you're going to go through some of the same basic steps, right? Um, you're going to have to sift through the the available opportunities and decide, you know, which one passed the, uh, the sniff test. Um, and then you're going to look at those things and say, okay, I, how do I think that this helps me or how do I think I might be able to use this? And you're going to create some hypothesis around that, and then you have to test that hypothesis. And testing can be a little challenging because uh, some of the alternative data can't be uh, can't be backdated. So, you know, testing it against you know a development sample of, of existing loans may be difficult. Um, so you have to figure out a way that you can test it that's applicable, and then um, then you got to go through and, and assess that that benefit and do the cost benefit analysis. And then you you really have to go through a process of understanding the feasibility of utilizing the data in a production environment because there's some things that, that seem to work on paper but then when you try to you know put them into play um, it, it just may not work either for, for timing reasons or for availability reasons um, it, it could have unintended effects on your uh, on your product and the way your product is received by the dealer so, so you really have to work through that piece and make sure you understand that the use case is, is workable and then you got to look at system integration, and and this is probably the biggest hurdle because a surprising number of lenders um, are 
still operating on pretty old technology, and most of the alternative data is going to require that you make a you know a call out to you know a, a, an outside system um, in real time. And if your system doesn't facilitate that, then then you're going to have a challenge. Um, and particularly some of these systems where you say, hey, it's it's possible, it's technically feasible for us to do it, um, but we're going to need to be able to test it. And if your your system provider or your internal resources, uh, you know, put a, a real burden on testing out that API, um, you may not be able to do it. You just may say, hey, you know, if I could test it for, you know, ten or twenty thousand dollars, I'd really like to do that. But if it's going to cost me, you know, six months and four hundred hours of development, and you know, and it's a hassle, you just may not get around to even doing the testing. Um, so, so you have to really work through the system implementation. A piece, and then I think for us, what's really critical is the uh, the post deployment monitoring. I mean, you you hypothesize about the value proposition, and and you're going to move forward based on that. Um, but you really need to go in after the fact and say, hey, am I really getting the lift out of this that I want? One, one of the things I've seen um, at a number of lenders is that they will have somewhere along the way made a commitment to you know an alternative data. A source, a provider, they'll get into a contract that may last two or three or four years, and you know they put it into production, and then somewhere along the way they quit looking at it. They, they may even quit using it, and they just you know the people who are in accounts payable uh, haven't asked the question. You know, hey, is this is, we're, we're paying for this thing? Is it creating value? And and it may not be. Um, so I think post deployment monitoring particularly when there's a cash outlay for data is, is really critical. And, and all of those things, I think you need to have, you know, operational discipline in, in how you execute. Mm -hmm. Amazing. That it was um, a lot of great insight, especially, you know, for our audience, uh, you know, to, to think about and understand when uh, they're looking to integrate alternative data into their systems. Um, so thank you so much, Chuck, for that. Um, you know, I am curious, what are maybe some of those other uh, uses for alternative data that you're seeing uh, beyond underwriting? Yeah, so I think there's a lot of uses um, in funding in particular. Um, you know, with indirect auto, there's always a, a desire to to speed along the process um, for, you know, for the dealer. Um, so the dealer knows that your funding process is quick. If you can have fewer steps on, a, on an approval and you can use alternative data to to help you do that, um, a lot of people use um, a, a certain income uh, verification service that's out there that probably qualifies as alternative data. And the common practice is that if I can verify the income before approval, then I just won't put a stipulation on the approval for verification of income, and that that reduces friction. Uh, I, I think those those kinds of use cases are pretty commonly uh, thought about and used, but. But if you really open up and think about, you know, this data as being the, the universe of available consumer data, and I, I think we all understand that today that universe has gotten quite a bit bigger and, and is growing all the time, then you can look at your overall relationship with your consumers and with your dealers and say, hey, what can I do with information that might be available today that, that didn't even really exist uh, 10 or 15 years ago? And... Um, and that can really change the way that you interact with your customers and with your dealers. Um, if you're a, you know, a multi-product lender or a depository institution and you want to cross-sell additional products, 
think about it in that way and say, hey, is there data available about consumers that would allow me to more closely tailor, you know, my cross-sell efforts uh, and reduce my, you know, my cost to originate? Uh, it's really kind of beginning to end, and, and I think people owe it to themselves to think about the universe of data and then their entire business process and just ask the question, like, well, what, what is out there that I could use that didn't exist before? So lots and lots of uses. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, you know, and now that we've kind of understand those uh, use cases, the uh, benefits or more even just the challenges of, uh, you know, integrating and, and looking into alternative data uh, in your operations. Um, so you know, once you kind of get past those points, how do you manage uh, your risk management staff to adopt alternative data solutions, um, especially in an environment that may not be so easily, uh, you know, to adapt to the alternative data. Right. So, so here I've been really lucky. The the staff that that I've got here is is really open minded, and it, it's a great team that's excited about exploring new opportunities for alternative data. So I haven't had to do a lot here to to open those doors. Those doors were already open. Um, what we do have to do is be thoughtful about how we evaluate different alternatives on a, on a level playing field, right? So we had to standardize our evaluation process and, and use the same kinds of measures of value or success or cost benefit. And that, and that can be a little challenging because you're talking about using data, you know, at all kinds of different parts of the life cycle of the loan. And, and so you have to be pretty creative in how you do that. Um, and we've introduced some measures that didn't exist for us before. Uh, so I think that's been a real challenge for, for us as a staff. Um, you know, I also think you have to constantly kind of reimagine the possibilities and the uses for data. And a real good example is that, you know, there's data ava- available around um, uh, mobile phones and mobile phone usage. And you have to back away and say, okay, wh- what can I do with data that, you know, if I can tell something about a consumer about how long the consumer's had this phone, this phone number, or a consumer that has had multiple burner phones over the last few years, how does that influence the way that I think about and treat and try to communicate with a consumer? And so you have to, I think, be ready to step back and take a fresh look over and over and over again at your processes. And, and I think that's very different, particularly for a risk management department that, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, risk management departments were very focused on um, loss forecasting and uh, default model development. And and today, I think it's just a, a much more dynamic and exciting environment. And your risk teams, if they're excited about that kind of work, have, have opportunities to do really interesting things, but you may have to help them see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad you say that because I think even in our reporting at uh, Auto Finance News, and auto finance excellence, um, we definitely are seeing, you know, the changing dynamic, and um, you know, it's 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 good to know that you know lenders are definitely interested in kind of uh, viewing the new environment uh, and, and with fresh eyes, like you said, and that's a great you know best practice strategy um, you know, for lenders. So I do have one more question for you, Chuck. Um, and that sure. is, with alternative data, it can be hard or difficult to tell the truth from fiction. How can auto lenders navigate the vast amounts of data 
that they can access and properly categorize it to leverage that data correctly? Um, great, great question. Um, I like the way you said that. I think the first thing is to be really close to your business and your business needs and let your needs dictate your your data usage. Um, I mean, I think you kind of have to survey the universe of available data, but I also think you need to look at your business processes and say, you know, I have a need over here and what kind of data might support that need and then go look for vendors that, that fill a need. What tends to happen, I think, is that um, a vendor will have, you know, uh, an opening within a company, an existing relationship, and, you know, if they can get a chance to get in and pitch their wares, they might make a compelling case, and the business could say, okay, well, we've had four or five data vendors in in the last six months. Which of these four or five data vendors do we like, and what's the product that we like? it? And that's okay, because you'll probably wind up with something that, you know, contributes but it may not be the thing that addresses your area of business need or the part of your business that has the greatest need. So I, I, try to, I try to let the business need dictate the data usage and then go find a vendor to present that. Um, the, the other part of that is that there are, in some cases, um, unique data sources, but in other cases, there are data sources where two or three or more lenders are all pitching something really similar. And if you start with the business need and then go look for vendors, you know, then you can put those competitive products head to head, and it helps you to hopefully select the best product and probably negotiate the best price for that data product. So, so that for me is is number one. Number two, when I'm talking about a data source, I really want to get down to the uh, the origin of the data. So, there are any number of uh, fraud related tools out there. Uh, I think that's great. Uh, it, it's a it's a great area uh, for data, but it's a lot of time. A lot of times, it's difficult to tell where that data is coming from, and you need to ask the question. You know, okay, where do you acquire your data? If it's a single source situation or a single type of data source, that's good to know because I think it helps you sort of see how it fits into the overall picture of, of what is knowable about our dealers, our customers, our clients, and our markets, and. And I try to really put all that into perspective because in some cases what's really happening is you have something that's been around for a long time and may, maybe the data vendor has sort of repackaged it and rebranded it and it's really not new. It's just been renamed or, or reconfigured. Um, so I, I think that's a good just to know, good, good, a good process or an exercise to go through. And then I think the most important thing is that you, you need to prioritize and be 100% objective about the value that you expect and, and why you're doing you know, project A versus project B. Um, sometimes you know, I think companies will look at two projects and, and say, yeah, they're about the same kind of project, but implementation is much easier over here than it is over here. And that's a, that's a compelling reason. Um, you know, speed to market and ability to deploy is really important, but but if you're really objective about the value creation part of it, you may look at it and say, well, hey, the hard thing is, is, is much more important. Why don't we go ahead and, and focus on, on the more difficult thing because it's got the higher payback. And I, I think that objectivity about what you're doing and why is really critical. Mm -hmm.
Yes, so many amazing takeaways and best practices uh, when it comes to alternative data, that technology, and, and, and learning how to properly implement it into your business practices and organization. Um, so I do want to thank you, uh, Chuck, so much for joining us. That does conclude our, conclude our podcast today. Um, be sure to stay tuned to autofinanceexcellence.org for more great podcasts.